Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're reaching into our inbox and pulling out some fascinating science questions. Our listeners want to know about everything from how animals do what they do, to why our bodies are so weird, and what's out there in the universe. And we've got a very special guest to help us get some answers. We get so many awesome science questions from our listeners every week. And that's why this week, we're tackling a whole bunch at once. It's a mailbag episode, but this time, we invited an actual scientist to come help us out. Hey guys, my name is Joe Hansen. I am a scientist and I also make a really fun YouTube show all about science and curiosity and asking really awesome questions about the universe. It's called It's Okay to Be Smart. I also make another YouTube show called Hot Mess, which is all about climate change and the environment, which are kind of really important things to think about. Those are both awesome shows that we love and admire and think everybody should check out. And you've been on our show as well. I am so excited to be back. This is one of my favorite shows. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> even say that if you guys weren't here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's terrific. Okay, so we have lined up a couple of our favorite recent listener questions for you. Sort of a grab bag. I've tried to choose them based on a variety of different fields of science. But the first one is definitely a biology question. Hi, my name is Gavin. I am eight years old and I am from Oregon. My question is, if penguins are birds, why can't they fly? Gavin, that is an excellent question. Uh, I think penguins actually do fly, sort of. They just don't fly through the air. They fly through the water instead. Um, if you've ever seen a penguin walk, you know that they look kind of silly, kind of goofy when they're on land because they have adapted to be awesome in the water thanks to evolution. Uh, a long time ago, there was an ancestor of penguins, and that bird could probably still fly, and maybe it lived near the water, so it tried swimming, because that looked fun, and it found <laughs> a lot of food to eat there, because none of the other birds could really swim, so the better that those penguin ancestors got at swimming, they got heavier, their bones were heavier, they got more muscular, and their feathers got smoothed out, and they turned really streamlined, and their wings turned into more like flippers instead of regular wings. And they eventually got so good at swimming that they couldn't fly through the air anymore. But that's okay, because uh, I think it worked out pretty well for them. Even though we don't see majestic flocks of penguins flying through the sky, they, they still have a way of spreading their wings. Yeah, when I think penguins, majestic isn't the first word that comes to mind, but definitely... <laughs> really good at swimming. Okay, our next question is one that I am super curious about. Hi, my name is Marta, and I am five, and I'm in kindergarten. My question is, what makes teeth wobbly and fall out? Marta, great question. I have no idea if it has anything to do with the tooth fairy, but I do know the science side of it. Uh, so your head gets way bigger when you grow up and you're an adult than it is when you're a kid. So if you kept the same teeth as an adult that you had when you were a baby, um, you'd look really weird because your teeth would be all tiny. So your baby teeth fall out to make room for a bigger, a larger set of adult teeth. 
and you actually have more teeth as an adult than you do as a kid. You have usually 32 versus 20 when you're a kid. So you can only normally see the tops of your teeth inside your mouth above your gums and the rest of your tooth is buried way, way down inside your gums. It's the root, kind of like how a carrot grows mostly underground. So starting when you're about six, most people, way down under the root of your baby teeth, your permanent adult teeth, they start to push up on that root and they start to kind of eat up the root of your baby tooth and it shrinks and shrinks like a gopher eating that carrot underground until all that's left is the top of your tooth. And that's what gets loose, then falls out, and then your adult tooth comes in after it. And you wouldn't even know it's crazier than that. Is your adult teeth actually started growing way down in your gums underneath your baby teeth before you're even born? Whoa. What? Yeah, mind-blowing. They're in there right now. If you don't, can't see them, they're growing way down in your gums. I mean, mine are there and you can see them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so should we move on to Rowan's question? Oh, I'm yeah. ready for Rowan's question. My name is Rowan. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm eight years old. My question is, what is outside the universe? That's a big, that's a big question. Uh, I want to know what's outside the universe, too. Uh, what do we mean by universe? Most of the time when we say universe, we're talking about something called the observable universe, which is everything that we can see even way out into space. So can we see everything there is? Uh, most scientists actually think the answer to that is no. So hold on to your hats. We're going to go a little bit mind-blowing from here, but it gets really cool. The first thing to understand is that space itself is expanding. You can kind of think of it like a balloon. Imagine you drew two little dots on a balloon and then you blew it up. Well, the dots would move farther away because the balloon itself gets bigger. And that's kind of what space is doing. It's just itself getting bigger. And a scientist named Edwin Hubble, he figured a lot of this out and we named a really famous telescope after him too, which is in space right now. And the further out in space he looked, the faster things were moving away. And some things were so far out and moving away so fast, even faster than the speed of light, that the light they give off hasn't reached us. And that means every direction that we look, there's a limit to how far we can see, how much of the universe we can see. So, the universe might not have an edge, but there is an edge to what we can see, and that's the observable universe. I mean, I think that that's designed to blow your mind because you literally cannot fit a concept of the universe within it because it's ever expanding. It's really hard to picture. Yeah, how do we even imagine that kind of a thing? Um, there are some ideas for what's outside of that, some theories that we, we don't have evidence for them, but the universe might just go on forever and be infinite, or we could be one of multiple universes, um, but we'll probably still be looking for answers to those questions whenever Rowan becomes a physicist, I think. So scientists are studying that now. Yeah, they use, they're using a lot of math because, like we said, we can't look out and see, so we don't even know how we would 
know if there was another universe or, a multi- or infinite universes out there. Okay, so Rowan should let us know when he's able to answer that question. We can't do it yet. Let's try this next one from Eli. My name is Eli Howe, and I'm five years old, and I want to know how animals breathe underwater. I think they do it by holding their breath. How do animals breathe underwater? Well, every animal that's out there, and sea stars are animals, and clams are animals, and sharks are animals, and whales are animals, and we're animals. Every animal needs to take in a gas called oxygen to stay alive and give off another gas called carbon dioxide. For us, both of these are in the air, so it's easy for us to take them in. We just take, just fill up our lungs like that. Okay, can't hold it for too long. But that doesn't work in the water because you'd obviously breathe in water and drown. But obviously that's not a problem for fish. They have gills on the sides of their heads instead of lungs inside their bodies. So they use their gills to take oxygen right out of the water instead of from the air like us. And other animals have these kinds of things too, gills and and ways of taking oxygen right out of the water. But I know what you're thinking. How is there oxygen in the water? Uh, Well, think about a can of soda. And when you open it, it starts foaming up and bubbling up everywhere. Well, that's because there's gas that can dissolve into water. And so in the case of soda, we put carbon dioxide in the water, which is why we call them carbonated. So just like that, there's some oxygen dissolved inside water in rivers and it's in lakes and it's in the ocean and probably in the water that in your glass on the table. And so fish gills are special because they can actually suck up that oxygen right out of the water and it goes into their bodies. So they sort of do breathe right out of the water. But of course, there are animals that live in the water like whales or seals or otters or even sea turtles that still do have lungs and they need to breathe air, which is why we see them come up to the surface and go and take a big old breath. They just hold their breath way better than us. They're basically better scuba divers than us. And they don't even need like a tank on their back. It's like the tank's inside their body. What? (laughs) How do they fill it up? (laughs) Very carefully. I really want to know why they don't have to wear goggles like we do when we go in the water. Maybe I'll send that into the next mailbag. That is a really good question, too. What's really cool about the history of life on Earth is that we think that most of it, all of it, our ancient ancestors all started in the water. All of us things that live on land and breathe air, we came way later. We're like the version 2.0, maybe like 2000.0. So things like fish and, and sea stars and coral and sea cucumbers, sea anemones, they're closer to animals that inhabited the earth way at the very beginning. So breathing from water was the first thing that we all did. You're saying that... Underwater animals are asking, how do they breathe on land? (laughs) Yes, there's Tumble Podcast Aquatic Edition happening in the ocean somewhere, and they're asking the opposite question. I think Tumble Underwater would just be a bunch of jellyfish pulsating. (laughs) (laughs) 
My idea is it's like if The Little Mermaid had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she is so curious about her world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Joe, thank you so much for helping us answer our listeners' questions. These are my favorite because when you grow up, sometimes you forget how much you still don't know. So what I always say, stay curious. <laughs> you do always say that. I do. <laughs> and it's like we always say. Thanks to our guest, Joe Hansen. You can catch him on YouTube. He's got two awesome science shows, It's Okay to Be Smart and Hot Mess, a new show about climate change. We'll be posting some of our favorite of Joe's videos on our blog at sciencepodcastforkids slash blog. You can hear Joe tell the story of an unexpected discovery in the jungle on one of our earliest episodes, The Night of the Decoy Spider. And thanks so much to the kids who sent in questions, Gavin, Marta, Rowan, and Eli. If you have a science question for us, send it to tumblepodcast at gmail.com. We love getting recordings, so you can upload those directly to us. Sarah Lentz is our editor. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I write and produce this show. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all the music. Stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Science discovery.